this morning. Well, there are giants in the Bible. Uh, wait till I tell you. They're not yet, not yet. <laughs> so there are giants in the Bible. So in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, verse 11, we are told that the bad of this giant, this bad of, uh, that the giant slept on, uh, was nine cubits long and four cubits wide. So that is five meters long and two meters wide. Wow, I can't imagine how, you know, how, how high is five meters. So to help us to see, so a giraffe, average, an average giraffe would be five meters high. Can you imagine a giraffe? A giraffe is five meters high. So this giant that the Bible was talking about is five meters high and two meters wide. So usually, can I ask you, how many of you are about one meter high? How many of you? You're one meter high or higher than one meter? Yes? You're all higher than one meter? Yes? How many of you are two meters high? Can I ask you to stand up? Yes? Roughly about two meters. So maybe if we can all look at Christopher. Yeah? Yes? So if we look at uh, Christopher and add a little bit more, so that would be the width of the bed. The width, not the length of the bed. All right? So... What about the size of Goliath? So Goliath's height was recorded as about 2.7 meters. 2.7 meters. So he was a giant, all right, but he was not a big giant. So he was just like a medium giant, and he's not unusually large for a giant. All right, so now let's look at some photos of the giant's remains. Okay, let's look at some photos of what they've dug up. So this is the National Geographic so this is the size of the skeleton of a giant that they have dug up, all right? So let's look at another one, another photo. So this is the head of a giant that they have dug up, that they have um, uncovered, all right? So let's look at, I think there's another one. So this is another giant that they have dug up, all right? So we can see that the Bible is real. So it's true that there were giants in those days. So let's look at the the photo of, this is David cutting off the head of Goliath, all right? So the Bible is a book full of battles, and it seems like those battles were impossible, all right? So we have to understand that when you are called to be a Christian, you have been called to live an impossible life. So don't be discouraged. Don't look to yourself, because in and of ourselves, we can't slay giants. So when you read the book of Deuteronomy, don't say, wow, because, you know, they didn't obey God. They looked at themselves as grasshoppers. But can you imagine yourself facing giants of that size? Can you imagine yourself facing giants of that size? I mean, the thought would come to you, I'm like an ant, (laughs) even smaller than a grasshopper. So the Bible is a very realistic account of following God. It's a very realistic account of what following God is like. So this photo, what you're looking at now, is called the Stonehenge. Now, I have been there myself. This is a prehistoric monument on Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, England. So the stones were huge. So they were about four meter high. Four meter high and 2.1 meter 
wide. So they weigh about 25 tons. So it was the archaeologists believe that the Stonehenge was constructed from 3000 to 2000 BC when they didn't have any machines in those days. So it was impossible because it was in the middle of nowhere. I've been there myself. It's not in the middle of a city. It's not in the middle of a convenient location. It's in the middle of nowhere. So who could have put them there? I believe that it was the giants. It was those giants that had put them there. Why? What for? As an altar to Satan. As an altar to the devil. All right? I want you to understand that. And Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, we were told that the Anakims were giants and the Horims were also giants. Now, I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21. I want you to see that it's a land of giants. So when God asked the Israelites to fight, they were not just fighting easy battles as a lot of Christians would want. God was asking them to fight the giants. If you have giants in your life, then you need to conquer, join the club. (laughs) Christianity is believing in what God can do through us. What God can do through us, through our cooperation with him, our understanding of his ways and our yielding unto him. So Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, a land of giants. A land of giants. Giants dwell there, if you go back to that. Lions dwell there in old time. And then the Ammonites call them Zemzumans. I want you to look at the description uh, in verse 21. In verse 21, 221. A people great. And many. Like you would think, only a few giants, maybe just one to two. No, no, many. A people huge, that's the word great. A people huge and many and tall. I want you to look at the preposition, I want you to look at the conjunction, but, but the Lord destroyed them before them and they succeeded them and dwelled in their stead. Christianity is more than just singing in church. There are many Christians that sing in church, but their life was terrible. Their living was terrible. They were weak, could not overcome anything, couldn't overcome their emotions, couldn't overcome their thoughts. Life was always difficult. They were always complaining, grumbling. But I want you to understand that Christianity is not God giving you a pair of crutches. Christianity is not giving you the opium of your mind. Christianity is God telling you that you can overcome. Only way to do it is through him. Through the presence of God. Through God clothing you with his power. Clothing you with his presence. Through God giving you the rhema word. What is prayer? Prayer is praying in the spirit until the rainbow word comes to you and that starts the prayer chain. So this is what we're looking at this morning. Okay, so let's date back to Genesis. 
So in the book of Genesis, after the fall of Adam and Eve, after Cain was, uh, after Cain had murdered Abel, after the birth of Seth, we have the birth of Noah. All right. So after all those drama, we had the birth of Noah. So let's go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 to 9. Now, the Bible is a historical account of the works of God in the midst of men. So you study it to know how God works so you can work with him. If you don't know how God works, you can't work with him. Do not allow the devil to change Christianity into a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is God separating you from the world, calling you to be a people to himself, and empowering you to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth. Your success is his testimony. That's why he does not want you to fail. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God is not in the midst of beating you up. Making you feel guilty. Making you ashamed. No. God is in the business of lifting you up. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. He is the lifter up of your head. He is your best father. Who believes in you. Who lifts you up. Who encourages you. Who empowers you. Amen. Christianity is about power. It's not about being apologetic. It's not being about guilty and ashamed all the time. No. We don't stay in shame. We don't stay in guilt. Can we say amen? Shame and guilt is not our portion. He is the one who glorifies you. As many as he had called, he also justified. And those that he had justified, he also glorified. Lift up your hands and ask God's glory to rest upon you. Ask his glory to rest upon you. How come the Israelites could defeat those giants? Because the glory of God rested upon them. Amen. Your spiritual atmosphere matters. Your spiritual atmosphere matters. If you're always talking about gloom and doom, if you're always talking about negativity, if no good words, no words of hope, no words of faith ever coming out of your mouth, you're always talking about negative, you're always talking about gloom and gloom and doom, you're always talking about how bad it's going to be and how bad it is now, your atmosphere is dark. Dark. Dark, dark, darkness. That's what the word gloom is about. Gloomy. God has not called us to be a people of gloom and doom. God has called us to be a people of glory. Lift up your hands. If you want to be included in his people as a person of glory, that's what God wants from you. That's what God wants for you. Amen. So let's look at Genesis chapter 6. Verse 1, and it came to pass when men, oh, sorry, verse 1, can we go back to verse 1? Genesis, yeah. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. That means when the population started to grow, and daughters were born unto them. Now remember, they were the first generation. 
the first generation, they were created in the image of God, so they had not had the blemish of sin. The daughters were born unto them. Definitely, they were very, very beautiful. Because remember, women were hand-created by God. Daughters were born unto them that the sons of God, the sons of God in this scripture is referring to the angels. All right. In the book of Job, you can notice that the sons of God referring to the angels. So the angels of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful. And they were so attracted to them. And they started to lust after them. They couldn't control, couldn't help their lust, their lustful thoughts. And the lustful intentions. And they told them, wives, this is the Bible's way of talking about having sex with them. Of all which they chose. Let's look at verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty. Now I want you to understand that in those days... When the population started to grow, and that's what the devil wanted to do. Remember, Satan was in the Garden of Eden, and that's what he wanted to do. What did he want to do? He wanted to corrupt and defile the human race. Because men were created in the image of God, and the devil was very, very angry with God's creation because God is putting us above them. And what is their way of corrupting people? Using sex. That's their first weapon to corrupt the DNA, to corrupt the spirit and the soul and the body of mankind. And that's why if you continue to read in verse 4, then what happened? There were giants in the earth. Giants, they were the produce, they were the fruit or the result of angels having sex with women. And that's why they were huge and that's why they were big and that's why they were abnormal. They were not the norm. They were not created by God. It was a perversion. I want you to understand that. And and, uh, when you look at verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, that means giants, which were of old men of renown. Now, I want you to understand that Goliath came from a family of giants. Goliath had brothers. Goliath had a family. So what's the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us that there are giants in your life that you need to conquer, even as in those days that they had to conquer the giants. Now, I want to highlight in verse 3, Uh, Can we go back to verse 3? If you go back to verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, I want you to understand that even when you are unsaved, when you were unsaved, even when you're sinning, or even when things are not working for you, you and you are emotionally very upset or you're frustrated, I want you to understand God's spirit is still reaching out to you. 
God's spirit is still reaching out to you. But they had reached a point that God is saying, I had to stop. He said, I'm not striving with them forever and ever. I'm putting an end to it. And what's the end? 120 years. That's the lifespan that God had set. Now, I want you to understand that even those that were sinning terribly could still live up to 120. Why are you so afraid when you're only 70 and 80? Why are you calling yourself old? Why are you seeing yourself as old, like deteriorating, when you're only 70, 80? Even those that sin terribly. God said they could still live up to 120. Do you see this? God is good. So you have to tear down that stronghold in your mind that keeps telling you that you are deteriorating. That you are degenerating. All your organs are failing. Your body is failing. Your bones are rotting. We need to tear down that stronghold. That's the giant in the mind. We need to overcome them and defeat them. Can we say amen? Come on, say it with me. I'm not old. I'm young. Constantly rejuvenating. Growing younger every day. Amen. 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 Now let's go back to giants. Now I want you to look at this. Uh, What's the verse that we were looking at? Verse 4. Verse 4, okay? So I want you to, to, to watch this very carefully with me and interpret by the Holy Spirit. The same became mighty men. Which word of old? Men of renown. Now I want you to understand that in the Bible, the description or the narrative can change perspective. So sometimes you have the perspective of God and sometimes you have the perspective of man. And the danger is that you interpret the Bible through your fallen human perspective. That's why we cannot understand the Bible without the Holy Ghost. The Bible must be interpreted by the Holy Ghost to you. Now, so you notice here, the same became mighty men, which were of all men of renown. This is from a human perspective. From a human perspective, giants, they are great. They are strong. I love giants. They are Great, they're strong, they're powerful, they can do mighty things. Wow, I admire their strength, I love it. But that's human interpretation, all right? What's God's interpretation? God called them wicked. God said that they were evil. God told the Israelites to destroy them. God said they must all be destroyed, completely eradicated. So it's very important that we get into God's perspective and not the human perspective, right? So the human perspective says that, wow, it's good to practice Kung Fu so I can defend myself, so I can be strong. But God's perspective is that Kung Fu would allow devils to enter into you. There's an evil influence in your life and a wicked influence on your body. So it's very important that we get into God's perspective and not into human perspective because you will miss God. Now I want you to look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. 
And the Holy Spirit is addressing this matter. So remember in the book of Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So what is Christianity? Christianity is laying down my thoughts and taking the thoughts of God. I put down my thoughts. I want the thoughts of God. It's called a renewing of your mind. And this can only be achieved when you realize how weak you are. When you realize how vulnerable you are. When you realize that you can't do it without God. Well, the best that you can do would be to be a good person. How many of you want to be a good person? I don't want to be a good person. I want to be a born-again person. Because a good person is still a person. (laughs) There's no way that you can overcome devils. There's no way that you can overcome those evil thoughts in your mind that tell you how bad you are. That keep putting guilt and condemnation in you. Or even pride of foolishness and folly. We've all, you know, had those thoughts. So you don't want to be just a person. You want to be a born again child of God. That's the wisdom. How many of you want to be a born again child of God? Lift up your hands. Amen. God has created you to be superhuman. God has not created you to be human. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are superhuman. If you accept the fact that you're just human, so, well, I'm just human. You know, I can be angry. I can be upset. I can slap you on the face. I can gossip behind you. I can do all the bad things. You know, I don't like you. I'll divorce you. I love you. I'll marry you. (laughs) But you don't want to be just human. You want to be holy. You want to be true. You want to be powerful. Lift up your hands if those are the desires of your heart. Amen. You don't want to be just the average. You want to be above. God has called you to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. Because if you are the tail, somebody is leading you or driving you. If you are the head, then you have control over this body. If you are the tail, then you lose control over your body. You have mental sickness, can't think properly. You have limb diseases, can't move your arms nor your legs. You have lung problems, can't breathe. God wants you to be in control of your life. In control of your future. In control of your finances. In control of your emotions. God wants you to be in control of your relationships, your household. For good. Come on, say with me, for good. One more time, for good. One more time, for good. David said, I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't let your life go down when your emotions is going down. Don't allow your emotions to destroy you. Don't allow your emotions to take hold of your life. Because human emotions can be the devil's weapons for your destruction. Many marriages have been destroyed by emotions. Many people suffering from depression, clinical depression, because of emotions. Emotions is made up of the word E, and then motions means you can easily be moved 
Whereas God wants you to be strong. Don't allow your impulse to drive you. Be led by the truth. Can we say amen? Amen. And if you look at verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, I want you to see the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is like God is judging you. God is telling you that you're a sinner. God is saying that you're not good enough. So you do your best. You try to do your best to be good, to be good. But then you get frustrated. You can't make it. You're not perfect enough. You're not good enough. And then you come and then you go to the priest. I'm sorry that I've sinned. And the priest said, you say, prayers and then you make the sign of a cross and you go home and you come back after you've sinned and you'd make a sign of the cross and you <laughs> again and again and again that's religion god is not in the business of judging you and sending you to hell if he's in that business we would have gone long time ago god is in the business of empowering you for good Amen. Come on, say to yourself, God is empowering me. Not judging me. Not sending me to hell. Amen. Amen. So you notice that God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That means everywhere. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. And then the word continually. So God is saying this spiritual atmosphere that is covering the earth is terrible. People are hearing from devils all the time. And the devils, uh, what's that word? The devils draw, the devils drew out the worst from them. They've become beasts. Even David, remember King David? He said, I was like a beast before you. Now, if you be honest enough, I'm sure you've had those beastly moments. If you can be honest with yourself, you, we've all had those beastly moments. But David was honest before God. That's what prayer is about. That's what prayer is about. That's why we all need to have our private devotion time and spend time before God. And the Holy Spirit will talk to you. And when he talks to you, he's empowering you. So David said, I was like a beast before you until I went into your sanctuary. Amen. And that's what God is saying. That's what. And then in verse 6, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created before the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things. And the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Now, my question for you is that why did it involve all the animals and the birds and everything else? If sin is just related to your behavior. So if you have sinned at home, let's say, should I come and tell you that your cats are also sinful? Have you thought about this? It's the presence of demons. It's the attachment of devils on the things of the earth. The whole thing was corrupt. And that's why when a nation starts to sin, when the people of that nation starts to sin, that nation will start to fall. 
because corruption destroys. The pleasures of sin are only for a moment. That's the bait of the devil. The Bible talks about the motion of sin. The motion. The devil will tempt you with what looks good, feels good, and then you get into that momentum, that sin, that sin, the momentum of sin, the motion of sin that will eventually destroy you, your spirit, your soul, your body, your environment, and your children and your children's children. Sin is so devastating and so destructive that God had to send the flood to destroy all of them. All of the creation on the earth. It's just like having cancer cells in the body. If you ask the surgeons, if you ask the doctors, those cells need to be cut off. Why? Because they multiply so rapidly. So when Jesus said, go and sin no more, he was not chastising that woman caught in the act of adultery. He was not shaming her. He was not scolding her because he didn't do that. Remember, the Pharisees were the ones that did that. Jesus was the one who understood her and saved her and delivered her and cherished her. And so when Jesus said, go and sin no more, his word, remember the angel said, the word of God, there's not even one word that is without power. So the word that says, go and sin no more, imparts the power not to sin and the desire not to sin into that woman. And every Christian, every child of God, how do you know that you are truly born again? How do you know that, true, that you are born again? It's when that Holy Spirit has come into you. The desire to sin is not there anymore. And that's why it grieves you to sin. And the devil uses that against you. He changes that into guilt and condemnation. But it's not guilt and condemnation. It's the desire to sin no more. And you just have to claim it and stand strong and say, I am now a holy child of God. I'm a saint and I don't sin. Boldly declare it. Amen. Amen. So you understand that it's so important that God had to purge the whole thing. God had to purge the whole thing, all of the creation. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. But Noah, I love the conjunction, but. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So was it because, you know, Noah was like God's favorite and that's why God favored him? No. Why did he find grace in the eyes of God? Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. The generations that were corrupt, had been corrupted, defiled by devils and giants, admiring and looking up to the wrong things, calling them good and honorable instead of wicked and evil. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. 
He had not allowed the giants around him, the people around him, the culture of his generations to defile him. He's genetically perfect. Because remember, God is looking for a people that Jesus could be birthed through. So he was genetically perfect. He's perfect in his physical body, perfect in his soul of righteousness, and perfect in his body. Spirit, soul, and body, perfect, uncorrupted, undefiled. How did that happen? Was it because he had a strong willpower? Is it because he's determined? Is it because, you know, he's somebody special? No, no, no. Here's the key. Here's the key. Noah walked with God. It's not the talk. It's the walk. Christianity is about the walk. You are not a churchy Christian. You are a practicing Christian. That's the difference. You don't just come to God, give me blessings, give me blessings. You can go to four-faced Buddha for that. You know, just bless me, bless me, bless me. You know, I want to join and I've joined the bless me club. No, that's not what Christianity is about. Blessings, they, they come as a bonus. You're good, you have the good things of life. You do good, you sow good, you reap good. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. So say to yourself, I'm not religious. I am a practicing Christian. I want to tell you, even if you've joined the church, even if you have been water baptized, even if you're praying in tongues, but if there's no transformation happening in your life, you haven't been born again, or you've backslidden, and you will still go to hell. Because Christianity is about transformation. That's what prepares you for heaven. Because there won't be any sinners in heaven. So don't fool yourself. You can do all the good work. But if there's no transformation, and you know, and you know, only you know. Nobody knows. Only you know. If there's no transformation in you, you haven't been born again. If the joy of the Lord is not in you, the desire to serve him is not in you, all you're concerned about is just me, 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 myself, how much money do I have, how many wives do I have, you know. (laughs) No, sorry, you're not born again. But you can be. To allow the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of you and change you from the inside out. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask you to look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 11? Genesis 6, 11. Okay? So if you look at this scripture, it says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So definitely in those days, you know, they had a lot of crime. They had a lot of issues. They had a lot of problems. Right? And let me ask you, what's the heart of God? When there were a lot of troubles, when there were a lot of evil people, when there were a lot of crimes, a lot of, you know, criminals. And what's the heart of God? Remember when God was coming to um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember? 
Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? If I can ask you to look at Genesis 18 verse 20. The cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. In the realm of the spirit, there is a cry going on. When there is a lot of evil happening on the land, there's a cry that's going on. When there's a lot of evil happening in people's houses, when there's a lot of crime happening in the homes, there's a cry going on. There's a cry going up to heaven. There's a cry going up to heaven. And God had come down to the earth because of those cries. So don't think that God does not care. There's not even one thing that will go without notice. There's not even one thing that will escape God without his notice. He knows all things. He knows. Amen. There is a sowing. There is a reaping. The sowing of evil will reap evil. The sowing of good will reap good. And what gets rid of the evil is repentance. Go and sin no more. Repent. A change of heart. A change of desires. A change of the course of your life. Instead of going to destruction, you're going to salvation. Instead of going to hell, you're going to heaven. Instead of going to poverty, you're going to prosperity. Amen. The choice is yours. Say with me, the choice is mine. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's another very important point that you need to know is that grace is in the DNA of faith. Now, you look at the whole thing. Look at the whole picture. It was a big thing, right? The whole earth. God had to destroy the whole earth, his whole creation, except Noah and his family that were covered by him. So you can notice that it's not because, you know, that we can do good, we can be good, uh, so I can depend on myself, I can do my best, I can try. No, it's grace. When we talk about faith, we talk about grace. When we talk about faith, we talk about grace. Remember those giants. I mean, the Israelites, there's no way, they, there's no way that they could have faced those giants and said, yeah, <laughs> we can kill them. Yep, we can kill them. No, I'm sure they were just human like you and I. But the grace covered them. Grace is like a blanket that covered them. When you have grace in your life, it's like there's a covering all over you. And when you look at what is impossible, when you look at how can I do this? I mean, those thoughts won't even come to you. You just, yep, I'm doing it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, I remember when I went to to China those days, especially during the time of SARS, I never, you know, I never, I did not go to the internet and and looked up, you know, what what SARS is about, how bad was China affected by SARS, how safe could I be at the airport. No, I did nothing of that because the grace was upon me. The grace was upon me. It covered me. And I just said, yes, Lord, I'm going. I was like floating. I was like floating at cloud 10. It's like I'm above all the people. They were all wearing masks and I wasn't. You know, in those days, they, they, they didn't have any regulations. If you don't wear masks, you can't go on the plane. No, I didn't wear a mask, but I could still go on the plane. 
but the grace was there. So when we talk about faith, we're not talking about, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can, yep, I can, yep, I can, yep, I can, yep, yep, yep. No. It's the grace. It's the grace. Grace is the DNA of faith. It's like, I know, and I know, I know what God had said, and I can do it. How many of you have got it? Amen. There's always a competition between your senses and your spirit. If you look at the giants, the Israelites, they had to overcome what their eyes can see. What their ears can hear. What their mind was telling them. There's always a competition between faith and doubt. Between belief and unbelief. Between what we can see and the invisible. Between what we can hear and the inaudible. The realm of the spirit is much greater than the realm of senses. But every human being is prone to follow the realm of the senses. And that's why Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Christianity is about power. The reason why God was saying this to them was that they had seen the greatness of God. Why did God say, why? I mean, I mean, honestly, God, I mean, they could have said, why, why God wasn't sympathetic? I mean, look at the giants. It's true that we are like grasshoppers. I mean, if you look at the, if you take the humanistic perspective, you would say, wow, why was God so harsh? I mean, it's understandable. They, they're so big and they're so small. Right? But that's not what God said. God said that it's a wicked, a wicked generation with unbelief. And also remember when Jesus was born, we're in the season of Christmas. Let me ask you a question. I'm provoking you now, your thoughts. Did Jesus come to start a charity organization? Yes or no? No. Did Jesus come to start a welfare organization? What did he come to start? The church. What's the church? Is the church just, you know, giving our gifts, you know, uh, giving our money, uh, just be a welfare church, a charity organization? Love, love, love means you just pat you on the back and love, love, love. Was it like that? Is it meant to be like that? What's the church? Power. Power. I've given you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Go back to the giants. Slay Goliath. Kill them. Destroy them. And take their land. Christianity is about power. And the power does not come from us. We can't produce power. We need to be clothed with power. And that's why worship matters. That's why listening to the word matters. You can be listening to one sermon and you've only understood 20%, 30%. And that's when you need to humble yourself and continue to listen. And continue to listen. Lord, help me to know it. Know it on the inside of me. That I'm fully persuaded. 
fully persuaded that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my life. Time goes so quickly. The clock is always ticking. I want to make good use of my time. I want to make the good use of my life. God, give me some giants. That's the spirit of Caleb. Give me another mountain. Give me another mountain. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's not about how my husband treats me. It's not about how my wife treats me. It's not about how my kids treat me. It's about Jesus being the head of my house. Devils, you don't have a stand. You don't have a place in my family. And you don't have a place in my body. You need to have that. You need to have that against the devil. Amen. That vitality against the evil one. Can we say amen? And not be afraid of battles. Not be intimidated by battles. Because the anointing come. That the anointing came upon the Israelites when they were in a battle against the giants. And they defeated them and succeeded their land. So don't be afraid of the giants in your life. Don't complain. Don't grumble. Kill them. Destroy them. Amen. Let God be glorified. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's finish with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith. Not by our natural sight. Walk by faith. Our faith is in God. My eyes are upon him. We look to him. Not to myself. I don't care about myself. I don't look at myself. I'm looking at God. And as I look at him, his glory comes. As I look at him, his power comes. As I look at him, his anointing comes. As I look at him, his instructions, his leading, his guidance comes. Can we say amen? And you will be at the right time, at the right place, with the right people, with the open door, with God's provisions, with God's grace. And your life will become better and better and better as the days go by. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Atheism is denying the existence of spirits. Atheism denies the existence of the spiritual realm. They only look at your body. They only look at your emotions, your mind. They have mental health. They have emotional health, but they don't, don't look at your spirit. They deny the existence of spirits. Because the devil knows, the devil knows very, very well, as long as he can keep you physical, soulish, as long as he can keep you mental, emotional, material, self-concerned, financial, he can defeat you with no problem. Because the only part of you that can defeat him is your spirit. That's why Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. That's why he said to you, Do not leave Jerusalem until you be endued with power 
from on high. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask you to stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask the musicians to come? Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Let's sing that song, Spirit, Lead Me. Amen. It is practically living every day with the Holy Spirit leading you. Amen. That's how you succeed in life. Amen. That's how you grow. Amen. In the power of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.